Hey, it's Dr. Lisa, and it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. Hey, it's a really crappy day out, you know, and a lot of people have been getting depressed from the weather. So we got to like all hang together on this. All right. It's I mean, it is a bummer. It doesn't make us feel good. It's um, Memorial Day weekend and it's raining right now. But you know what? Let's just uh, be glad that we're going to get some time off because that's really the most important thing in the world. Time. We all want a lot of time. Speaking of, I've learned a little bit about balance lately. I wanted, if you guys have kept up, uh, I recently got a part-time job doing kind of studio, you know, cutting and pasting type art studio type work. And uh, it's like a third of what I used to make as an art director. But I have to tell you, I'm, I am really understanding uh, the value of balance in my life because I am really grateful now to have this job. I finally mastered it. It took me like four months. And uh, I am getting a lot of stability and self-satisfaction out of sort of feeling like I'm I'm managing my life. I'm doing my art and I'm making money. It doesn't have to be one or the other. So I want you guys to know that. So thanks a lot for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. This is Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. Uh, You know, as you as you know, you know, funds are hard to come by these days for for things such as free speech. It's not something that uh, the uh, government is in favor of. So so why don't you um, we would love you to help us out. And just like even if you just go to our um, radiofreebrooklyn.com slash pledge, give us any amount of money. I mean, really, a lot of it is just it makes us feel feel good to get your support. You know what I mean? So I am, uh, oh, I also, if you want to call in today, you may want to call in because I have this really awesome guest. The call-in number is 718-928-9732. So on to our guest. I'm looking right at him, the uh, wonderful comedian Mick De- Nick Diflo. I got nervous and I screwed up your name. Nick Diflo. Because I was worried I was going to screw it up. Did I say it right? Diflo is good. Diflo is good? Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, So let's talk about how we met. Uh, We met recently just about, uh, what was it, like a week ago, two weeks ago? The 14th. The 14th. Monday. You you remember because you were on the show. Right. So we met at uh, John... Uh, John Marson, who's also a comic, has this really amazing comedy show that it's really like over the years since I've been following comedy, which is since at least 2009 or something. Uh, this has definitely been one of my favorite uh, places to see comedy, and it's been going on since then or almost since a long time. It's it's hung in there. One of the great things about it is it's at the it's at a really small small intimate place the cornelia street cafe and uh um john marson who's awesome gets really great comics to come on like i saw um john oliver there several times before he was famous did you ever see john oliver there yeah he's still there he's been there recently i think you've seen him there you see him there right Mm -hmm. 
and uh, a lot of other people like that. So it's a great show, and I love John, and he's such a great host and comic, and all the comics like performing there because you get this really awesome free meal, right? Right, right. So what, do they just tell you you can order anything on the menu? Yeah, they just say order wherever you want, and then we get a... A little uh, closer to the mic, Mick. And uh, we get some pay, which is a rarity. And they pay you too? Yeah. I was wondering about that. Yeah, John's really, uh, comics love him. Well, he's also, another thing is he's also been, um, he was in advertising too. Did you know that? Yeah, I'd heard that years ago. He was uh, a madman, maybe. Yeah, that's kind of a little bit how we know each other. We have a really good friend in common, Ivan, shout out. And uh, Ivan Horvath, who's like a really, really major art director. And um, him and John are, you know, really close friends. And mm-hmm. uh, But um, so I know him from both those, those scenes. And, uh, you know, it's a great place. It's a good, cr- I mean, do you enjoy performing there? Oh, yeah, it's a great place to yeah right very intimate and great audience yes so anyway i saw mick on the 14th and uh he i was really you know as you know because i i think john introduced us i was really impressed with your work that night and really impressed with your work in general because i think that the writing you know my my taste is usually like more like weird alt stuff you know like more in the chris gethart um area mm-hmm. like your comedy is kind of um very m- more the set the way it's more traditional or classic classic right the way it's written and the 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 structure of it yeah it's dark but it's uh written like comedy jokes yeah like yeah it's like comedy like regular old i mean not regular well i mean but um so it's rare I'm just telling you guys because I am the ex-comedy expert, you know, the self-proclaimed therapist and comedy expert now. And I really, really was impressed by your work. And I thought the writing was just really unusually sharp. Oh, thanks. So I want to tell you guys that. you got to check check out Mick at his website, MickDiflo.com. And... uh so Mick and I do not know each other really at all, do we, Mick? No, not really. No, no. I'm going to get to you. I'm going to get through to you. I'm going to learn who you are just mm-hmm. today, all of us as a group. Are you ready for that? I'm a little scared. He's a little, you look a little, you, <sighs> see, Mick, I'm a, I'm actually really um, honored to have you on my show. Do you know that? Oh, thanks. No, this Hi. is an honor for me. I'm the one who's worried uh-huh. i'm the one who's worried that you might think this is like not like i'm worried i am way more worried that you're going to enjoy yourself than you are about know, revealing no. all, all your shit to me no i'm fine yes so now he's smiling but anyway so in order for you guys to appreciate how great mixed work <clears throat> is i'm actually going to play some of his set it's a fairly, it's a great set. It's a little long, so we're going to come in in the middle because uh, I want to spend most of my time talking with Mick and, like, figuring out who he is for all of us and maybe even for him. Have you ever been in therapy, Mick? Yeah. A lot? Not a lot. Not a lot. So, 
Uh, so listen up. This is a really, really, really uh, great, a uh, great set, and you can see why I think Mick is so brilliant. So let's hear it. This is. Uh, it was on TV, right? It was on uh, Access TV, a cable channel. A cable channel, and it was filmed at the Gotham Comedy Club. Right. Okay. You know what? We're having technical difficulties, and I'm just realizing that I want to tell you a little bit more about Mick anyway because I did not read his credits. Um, I want to tell you that he's a former laborer, professional boxer, addiction counselor, and skeptic who moved to New York at 48 and started doing stand-up. You started stand-up at 48, right? Right. Crazy. Yeah, I was in a sketch group, and uh, they couldn't show up one night, and uh, I ended up going up alone, and it worked out, so. Well, it was a gift. So, um, and also, I didn't read your credits. He's been on TV, how do you say it, Access TV, uh, Inside Amy Schumer, and you're also a contributing writer to the Idiot's Guide to Jokes, Just Magazine, and the Huffington Post. So you were on Inside Amy Schumer. Right. It was just uh, a small part. You know, I... Did you do a... Did you... Were you a character or... Yeah, she was a princess. She she was in a, like a dream sequence. She was a princess and they were chopping her head off because she hadn't produced any male children. And uh, I'm one of the villagers who runs in. With an axe screaming for her head. Well, that makes <coughs> that makes total sense. Mm-hmm. So let's give this a shot. Let's okay. give this a whirl. Here we go. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. To think we about got it. A little now, getting older. You ever see how somebody died in the paper, and you think to yourself, "Wow, I hope that word." is not on my obituary. It'll say, like, decapitated or something like that. So I've come up with a list of words that I hope are not on my obituary. Dental records. I, love, I was laughing out loud. Unrecognizable. Ripley's Believe It or Not. Traces of semen. Ooh. That's never good, folks. That's never good. Why? Uh, Anyone here not have an autistic child? <laughs> huh? I didn't think so. Well, they are coming out of the woodwork, aren't they? I'm about sick of those little fuckers. Yeah. But I'm kidding, you know, I love kids, uh, you know, but I tell you what, I don't want to babysit your kid. I mean, I, I believe me, I'm not asked that much. But uh, we have a couple, uh, you know, downstairs from us. She's an actress, he's a Wall Street guy. And uh, they got a little kid, Billy, he's crazy, five years old. They're all pretty crazy then. And she comes up the, the other day, she's, uh, she comes up the other day, and, and I'm, I'll do anything to out of watching this kid. You know, she knocks on the door, and I answer the door, and, and uh, Billy's standing there ready to tear the place up, and she's... She goes, can you watch Billy, please, just for an hour, please, I, just for an hour. I have an audition. I can't find anybody. And I'm standing there. I got sweatpants on. I got a bowl of cereal in my hand. The TV's on in the background. I'm clearly doing nothing. 
And I go, uh, look, I'm a pedophile. I'm not even allowed this close to the school, really. I... She goes, ah, bullshit, I had to watch the kid. I hate that fucking kid. But uh, I hate when people use children for an example for stuff. You ever hear someone say, hey, you want to get grateful? Go down to the children's hospital. Look at what those poor kids are going through. You'll quit your bitching then, pal. You'll get grateful then. And I'm like, can you do that? Can you just go down to the front desk at children's hospital? Uh, yeah, I'd like to see the children, please. Are you a friend or a relative? No, I've just been having a bad day. I don't have to go in. You could just wheel one out if you want. I think so. Children's Hospital. But, uh... Yeah, I, uh, anybody ever hear this restaurant, Hot and Crusty? Hot and Crusty, if you're going to sink a lot of money into a restaurant, would you name it Hot and Crusty? Well, I found out what some of the rejected names were before they come up with Hot and Crusty. Warm and Gamey, Lukewarm and Bitter, Traces of Semen, Applebee's. So I'm married now like 11 years. I have a great wife, uh, but we, you know, I think if you're in a relationship, eventually you're probably gonna ask the question, you know, you're sitting around some night talking about sex. How many people have you been with? How many people have you had sex with? And you're not gonna wanna hear what my wife told me. She goes, oh God. I have no idea. I said, uh, you don't think you can maybe ballpark it for me? She goes, that sounds right, about a ballpark. <laughs> Opening day. All right, I get it. But I'll end with this. They say, um, you know, we, we don't agree on everything, even in the bedroom. For example, my wife thinks it's never appropriate during sexual role play to include a special needs character. I'm like, just wear the helmet, will you? You're sexy in the helmet, come on. All right, that's it from me, folks, thanks. Say, what did I tell you guys? How, how sharp, that's huh. like really sharp comedy. I mean, I really, I really, yeah. I mean, Mick, I'm your fan, what can I tell you? Oh, uh, thanks. So let's do some intake. How about that? I want to find out like where you're from and that kind of shit. Like where? What is your back? How old are you now? You were 48 when you started comedy. Uh, 61. 61. We're right. the same exact age. Oh yeah. Yeah. I thought I was older. No. Um, yeah, I'm from Philadelphia. My parents are both from the Philly area. Um, my. Uh, oh yeah, me too. Me too. Where? Right. Where in Philadelphia? Southwest, mm-hmm. Cobbs Creek. Oh yeah, around there. No. But we moved out when I was about six. We moved to the uh, suburbs out by the airport, Ridley, Ridley Township. What township? Ridley. Ridley. Little town called Folsom. So, so you were like you were brought up in like the the boondocks. 
The, no. No? Was what was it like? Typical suburb, you know. Typical it suburb. Just grew and grew as, uh, you know, everybody moves. Everybody moves their kids out of the city to get them away from the drugs and all, and the kids find them anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. Me too. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. So, um, what was your upbringing like? How many brothers, sisters? Well, I had a, an older brother, um, Mike. He's um, he's 16 years older than me. I think oh, he wow. just turned 77. Shit. And uh, his father died in World War II, and my mother remarried... Uh, my father, you know, married my father um, after the war and had uh, 10, 10 years and six miscarriages later, she had my younger brother and I, my younger brother, Timmy. And how much younger? Is he like a year younger or something? 20 months. Yeah, something yeah. like that. But we grew up, my, my father was a fighter back in the... A my, fighter? Both like my, a fighter fighter? Yeah, both my parents were raised during a depression, you know, mm-hmm. and... Uh, yeah. I was. I don't know what's worse, actually being raised during a depression or having to hear about it every five fucking minutes. <laughs> I identify with what you're saying, yes, because you know we're the same age. Yeah. So, um, so was your old? So is you, your brother, your younger brother, and your older brother? Was your older brother around a lot, or no? He was. Uh, he had pretty much. You know, he loved the city, so he was constantly going back to the city. Philadelphia, I, I, you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, once yeah. we, um, once I was, you know, able to, you know, uh, talk and everything, he was already out of the house pretty right, much. Right, 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 which was probably when you were like 11 or 12 when you, just kidding. No, he was out so, by. I'm just kidding, talking, making no. fun of you for talking, but why am <sighs> I making fun of a comic? Like, that's such bad, bad <sighs> idea, but never mind. Um so he wasn't around a lot, but um, what the hell would it be like growing up with a, with a father? Your father was a fighter? What was well, that Well, he like? was years before. I mean, all, all we ever, I mean, he, if now he was, I mean, he was through World War II and all that stuff. I mean, I was really raised with the great uh, generation, the greatest generation. You know, my uh-huh. mother was, my mother was a crane operator during the war. Wow. And, uh, uh, at the Navy Yard and my, you know, everybody was. So what did they do when you were growing up though? Well, my father was a plumber and a painter, and he just did anything. And, and uh, my mother cleaned houses. She was uh, always working. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, did you have enough money? Did you have enough money that you weren't worrying about money? Did you have food on the table? Yeah, they were. They were pretty much. You know, they did, did everything for the kids. You know, they to give their kids what they didn't have. Right. So they know. were good. Good parents. Did you get along yeah, with that? Yeah, they were good. You know, but they they had some uh, some crazy things about him too my father had supposedly uh quit drinking on his own and uh, when he was uh in his 30s because my mother had threatened to leave him and mm-hmm. things weren't going well so mm-hmm. he but he became like a workaholic he was always you know he was mm-hmm. always on the phone or working and, and uh mostly plumbing and stuff yeah. like that plumbing and, and mo- painting yeah my mother was a um did your parents go to college no my okay. father went to the seventh grade my mother was uh my mother was like captain of every team and and everything in high school, but they mm-hmm. she couldn't afford to mm-hmm. go to college either. Mm-hmm. And she married fairly young. I think she had a lot of uh, like uh, anger issues and codependency. Her father was a a, a drunk, and uh, mm. I found that mm-hmm. later, you know. But she had a lot of anger too. She would snap and bad temper. Yeah, but a great woman. I mean, but their their funeral. They died in the same month. They died really. Uh, my father was, uh, my mother died in uh, November 88. My father died December. Wow. So they were really. 
old co- were they? Well, they were were they in their 80s was, or 70s? Or? My mother was 68. My father was 73. Oh, my God. That's really, your mom yeah. is really young. Well, she was, she was uh, what do you call it, um, diabetic. And oh. uh, I'd come home and she'd be eating big tubs of ice cream. And I'd say, what are, are you supposed to be eating that? She goes, yeah, it's uh. fine. So it was kind of like addiction everywhere. Right. You Did know? you ever see your father fight? No, no. I, I have articles from uh, from years ago in the paper. Uh, mm-hmm. He was uh, lightweight. He won like 60 out of 68 fights, I think. Did so Does that there. seem like normal? Like, What would it be like to see your dad getting beaten up? I can't even imagine. Or is that just uh, normal to you? No, no, I'd never seen him in a fight. He was he had you never a, saw any like video of it or I was his first child. He was forty when he had me, so Right. So you were a professional boxer as well, right? Right. I had uh, thirteen fights. And so um you've did you that's a following in his footsteps. Were you influenced or how did you become a Yeah, he used to take us out my brother and I in the yard with little gloves. We had Really? Gloves when we were, you know, five and six years old. So you were encouraged to fight? Yeah. I mean, my mother would try to, uh, you know, sway us away from it. But uh, we're always, you know, I I used to, my mother was going to try and give us everything, you know, like uh, go to school, go to college. And she would, um, but but she gave like mixed messages. I remember she said, uh, don't ever... um, I remember she was telling me, don't ever get a tattoo. She said, don't ever get a tattoo because then the cops will be able to identify you. <sighs> so, so weird. I, so immediately you think, well, yeah, I guess I'm supposed to be running from the cops. I don't know. Were your parents I, at the point, you, they were parents, were they pretty straight up shooters? Or oh, yeah, did they, they, were great they didn't people. do anything? Yeah, there were thousands of people at their funerals. My father used to do plumbing for people for free, practically. You know, my mm-hmm. My brother worked for him and quit because of that. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, because your father was a workaholic. He wanted to work, probably, partly. Yeah, and he, he was, was really just, into it. As long as he had enough to get by, he was fine. You know, he didn't want to make a lot of money. It didn't yeah. mean that much. He had him. good values, probably. Yeah. So did you go to college? I went to, well, I became, um, well, I didn't know what I wanted to go for when I first got out of high school. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't have much interest. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was into drugs and all that, too. Uh-huh. But uh, later on, when I got clean after uh mm-hmm. i was in my 30s i uh became an addiction counselor i went to uh give an msw down. or something or you've got a degree in well you need it now you need a uh a um bachelor's degree and eventually it's going to be a master's but yeah back then it could be like so you a, got a degree more counseling like an associate's degree yeah cac so can you do, uh i'm gonna ask you about like your drug experience if you're okay talking about it yeah I'm right. yeah so what happened there well i was uh i st- you know i realized that when i was growing up everything revolved around you know booze you know we my uncle my father and his brother two brothers married two sisters mm-hmm. it sounds oh, that's like interesting it sounds like incest but it's not it's the two brother two brothers married two, two brothers sisters. Married two sisters and we would, they had a big family and we, we used to, fu- we used to move, uh, where they were, you know, they, <laughs> we were mm-hmm. all in the pretty much the same mm-hmm. area. And mm-hmm. whenever they had barbecues or anything like that, it was always tons of booze and booze and all that. So were you given we, booze at a young age? No, I mean, we would, uh, 
Steel no one was watching them. Yeah. But uh, I started getting high pretty young. I started, uh, I did real well in school until about the fourth or fifth grade and then started to hang on a corner and. Really? At age nine or 10? That young? Well, no, maybe 11 or 12. But that's still really young. Yeah. And was already starting to get high and. Getting high on on pot and then other things. Yeah. It was like the late sixties and uh, Uh, I was born in 55. So right around when I was a little younger than the hippies, you know, the, um, my cousins, we had older cousins who, uh, had, you know, were into pot and acid and all that stuff. So, so you, you started taking that kind of drugs, pot and acid. Yeah. When you were a teenage, young, young adolescent. Right, right. Yeah. My whole teenage years involved just the party and getting high and, Mm -hmm. you know. So mostly was there anything, was there ever heroin or anything else involved yeah, I I never really liked heroin. I did I did heroin about four or five times, mm-hmm. but every time I did it, you know, I'd be sick, and I and whoever we got it off would say, "Yeah, that means it's good." <laughs> so I didn't. Who knows? Yeah. So did you? Um, so would you say the latter part of your high school years, you were mostly, um, you know, taking drugs and not focused on school and stuff. Right. I just got by by the skin of my teeth. I just passed enough to get the high school diploma. And were and, your uh, parents aware of that? Yeah, that they were taking they drugs. Yeah, they didn't know what to do. But they, you know, they had denial themselves. You know, I remember my mother, when I finally got sober, I finally got clean. My mother said, I had no idea he had a drug problem. Oh, you know, my brother yeah. just busted up laughing. Oh, yeah. How do you, how do, yeah, I wonder. Well, I was going to say, how do you feel about that? I wonder if, because I guess I'm feeling, this is just me, I'm feeling protective of you, and I'm kind of mad at your parents right now. Do you know what yeah, I'm saying? Well, they, you know, they did what they could. They, they did, did what yeah. they could, of course. But did your brother, your younger brother, take drugs? Yeah. Was yeah, Were he, you guys hanging out taking drugs together? Once in a while, mostly. He, you know, he had his own friends. He had his own friends then, and drugs. Yeah. Did, um, but he was, I, I remember, you know, he got clean on his own. Uh, he started doing marathons and stuff like that and mm-hmm. getting in shape. But I always tell a story just to, to say what, what my life was like. I, I used to get um, a couple quarts of beer and I'd put them in the back seat and I'd drive and I'd, I'd try to get loaded before I went to the bar because it's a little cheaper. Right, of you course. Know. And I picked the guy up hitchhiking and mm-hmm. he had two quarts of oil and he put them in the back. Mm-hmm. And I was smoking a lot of angel dust and stuff oh, like angel that. Dust. But it was pretty crazy. And uh, so I picked the guy up, hitchhike, and he put the uh, beer in the back seat. And when I let him out about a mile up the road, he took the, um, what do you call it, beer, my beer by mistake. He had a couple quarts oh. of oil. He had the oil. And he, and he took the, the beer instead of the oil. And he left me the oil. Oh, man. And uh, so I, I'm driving around. I forgot I even picked him up hitchhiking and i'm wow. thinking how the hell did this get here i reach back and i pull out a quart of oil and i ended up going back to the bar and putting the oil on the bar and saying i think you sold me oil <laughs> that's bar- awesome and the bartender knew me he said man you better take it easy wow that's you know? crazy. so that I, mean, and I didn't even realize it until like a year later i ran into the guy and he goes hey man remember I, you picked me up hitchhiking and i left the oil so that's crazy so, um, how long, what were you doing to get by after high school? Were you taking a lot of drugs then as well? Yeah. Were you living with your family or what'd you do? Yeah, I was living at home. My, my younger brother was 
ended up getting married and moving out before I was, mm-hmm. you know, I was still the, the one that wasn't going to make it, it seemed like. How about girls? Were you dating or anything like that? Yeah, I had, uh, well, I was in a relationship from 14 to like 24. Oh, with uh, the same yeah, woman. And we you were. guys probably took drugs together. Yeah, well, she wasn't as into him as I was. She used to, she was try to straighten me out. Oh, you she, know, and, but, she, uh, yeah. But the drug, I, when I first started, I, I I would look at someone who was really wasted, and I would think, oh, God, I never want to be like that. What's the matter with these people, mm-hmm. you know? And I became that, you know, mm-hmm. eventually. Mm-hmm. I mean, were a lot of your friends, were people in the neighborhood also taking drugs and stuff like that was a part of the culture as well? Yeah. It was, like, a lot of peer group stuff, too, I bet. Yeah, I mean... Probably uh, there wasn't a whole lot of, um, there probably wasn't a whole lot of driving economy and jobs and things to do there i'm guessing yeah it was pretty you know typical suburb it wasn't it was you know the mm-hmm. 70s so, so how are you feeling at that point like right after like between um high school and the time you got so- well i'll sober. tell you what happened since i started so young you know addiction mm-hmm. being what it is it, 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 you only get so much out of it and then it starts to like i remember Eventually, I would be, you know, it was the greatest thing that I, I remember when I first started getting high, I thought I would like to feel this way all the time and -hmm. proceeded to try to do that. Mm -hmm. But eventually the high, the highs aren't highs anymore. You know, I I, I remember I'd be sitting at a party and I would think it's just not working anymore. Mm. I can't get high enough. Right. It's just like any other addiction. And, uh, right. I didn't know. I thought I was maybe a psychological problem. I started to read psychology books and mm-hmm. shit like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, mm-hmm. uh, you know, long story short, I, with the boxing, I, I, you know, I was, I would actually box when I was hung over or high and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a pretty serious eye injury, you know. Mm. You must have trained a lot. Yeah. I mean, I had a pretty good, uh, Record, I won 10 out of 13, eight knockouts. Wow. I was really, I had a little write-up in Ring Magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, Were you making money that way? Yeah, it wasn't much back then. It was before the casinos opened or anything. Mm-hmm. I think the, the most I made mm-hmm. was like uh, 800 bucks. But you must have worked hard and you were talented at it, right? Yeah, I mean, there was, uh, I was getting little write-ups in the paper and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And uh, it was really doing well. And um, I had a friend who went on. Mike Picciotti, he ended up uh, having like 37 fights, I think. He fought on national TV a couple times mm-hmm. and all that. Mm-hmm. But uh, what happened was that I had an eye injury, and I would see your head and a head over top of it. My eyes mm. weren't working together. Mm. And um, I had to get an eye operation. Mm. And, and I remember thinking to myself, even before I got operated on, every time I drank or got high, that my vision would get worse. Mm. And I remember thinking it has something to do with that. So as soon as I get this operation, I'm going to stop, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple of weeks after I got operated on it, I thought, well, I'll have a couple of beers, you mm. know, and it just led to the same same old shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was very depressing. I was very damn. Yeah, it's, yeah it sounds like it would be depressing. Yeah. Were you still living with your folks then? Yeah. I had moved out at one point, um, Got an apartment, and uh, the apartment, I, I had a job at Federal Express. Mm-hmm. I got fired for lateness, and I didn't even have to be in until like 11 a.m. Mm. But you just couldn't. And were your parents concerned about you at that point, or they were just like, fuck it? Uh, well, they thought I was doing all right. You know, I'm going to try to appear. 
things are okay. So you handled you handled yourself around them, and yeah. they were like, I'll tell you what my mo- I'll tell you uh, this is incredible. My mother's my mother was so codependent. Was so uh, she had a police radio because we we were getting arrested once in a while. We were juvenile delinquents, you know. She would be at the police station before the cops pulled in. We would pull in, and I, my friend, really? would, our, my friend and I would be in the back seat, and they'd say, "Is that your mother's car?" Wow. I say, "Yeah." So See what? Later. What was her? What did? What was her take on it when she? Uh, she came to get you. Was she like okay with it, or? Well, she would. There was uh, the cops in our area were uh, always being. Uh, you know, there was a big thing about police brutality back then. Um, so she would say that that's, the, you know, they're picking on us, you know, that kind of so thing. So she would defend you. She she wouldn't say, you got to yeah. f- stop fucking up, kid. She'd be like, yeah. she would take your side. I remember once I got arrested three Wait. times, three times in one week. So the last time I, the last time uh, was for uh, underage drinking, I think at a party. They rushed a uh-huh. bunch of us. And, uh. I remember I gave myself a black eye in the in the cell, and uh, when I came, this is how bad. Why? The cops, why? Why did you? You mean on purpose to say that you were like uh, yeah. beaten up or something? Well, to deflect away from my crime, I guess. Yeah. But uh, when they they brought me out, I said, "Look at this!" I said, "Look what they uh, did!" And they actually dragged me back in and started beating me again. I mean, that's how crazy these cops were. Wow. And really. Wow. That was before uh, iPhones and uh, body cams. Uh-huh. So um, that sounds really, really tough. It also sounds like there weren't any consequences. Like you know, um, and a lot of a lot of parents would have just been like, "Yourself, you know, that's fucked up. You can't do that again." Blah blah blah. But your parents weren't disciplinarians, were they? Well, they tried, you know, they tried to keep us But they didn't feel like, like they could do much, I guess. Yeah, I, th- I think it's real hard. That's why people send their kids away and stuff. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't work if and you when put you, them back in the same environment. Yeah, when you don't have a lot of money, what can you do when you don't have the resources? I get it. So how did you get out of that? How did you clean up, as you said? Let me just do another station ID, okay? Because okay. that's my job here. We got to remind people that they're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn and to give us money. But it's not just giving us money. It's helping us feel like we're, what we're doing is worthwhile. So go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com uh, slash pledge. Give, you know, even if it's like a dollar. And you can also just give to this show and support this show. And then it's supporting everybody, but it also makes me feel personally good. So if you want to do that, that's cool. Uh because, uh, wow. So, yeah, let's get right back to Mick. Whoa. So, so y- you got clean. Ha- what happened there? Was there a uh, particular incident? Were you? Well, you know what? There was a lot of incidents I could have just said, yeah, the hell with this. I, I can't do this anymore. But it, I think it just, it gets, just got to the point where I was just tired. And I, th- and I saw some people around me, my my older brother uh, was clean about five years, mm-hmm. and he used to come over and say, well, why don't you go to a meeting with me or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, mm-hmm. I'd say, no, that's okay, mm-hmm. you know? I don't know what they did there, but I didn't want to do it. Right. 
So um, you just sort of on your own decided that you were tired of it. Was it was it a bunch of drugs or PCP mostly or just a bunch of things? It was different things every year. You know, I was in the speed for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. and Just different so, things. But I so, always loved the PCP and drinking. Yeah, drinking too. So it was alcohol mm-hmm. and drugs. So what did you do? Did you wind up going, did you like, and your brother, your mm-hmm. older brother also had a problem. So I'm sure right, that right. was... And a lot of it sounds like workaholism is a is a, a addiction and yeah. all, that, all that stuff. Well, what happened? Well, I I heard from a friend, or I heard somebody told me that a friend that I used to uh, get high with, I grew up with, was clean like eight months, mm-hmm. and I was I couldn't last, you know, a few days. And I, I called him. I said, "What are you What are you doing?" He said, uh, "I'm going to meetings. I got in with these people, you know, and." Uh, I said, well, what do you do? He said, he said I'll, well, I'll take you. And he ended up taking me. And uh, I didn't really hear much at first. You know, I was mm-hmm. just checking it out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I kept going back and I kept going mm-hmm. back, and which is what they say, you know. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's all anonymous. Right, right, know. right, right. But, um, but it really helped, helped you? Yeah, I mean, it's the only thing that ever worked. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you still so. go to meetings today? Yeah, I still go to a couple weeks. Yeah. Uh-huh. So um, that must have taken a lot of uh, personal, like, resources to um, mm-hmm. get out of that yeah. situation. Well, what, what happens is, you know, you always think, well, I, I, this will, no, I, I, I want to find the perfect job or I want or the perfect career or the perfect woman mm-hmm. or something that's going to fix me. Mm-hmm. And uh, they'll tell you, you got to fix you right. first. You know, right, so. right, right. So that finally got through to me. And how... I mean, what I'm interested in is that, uh, so you started doing comedy officially when you were 48. So how old were you? Were you in your 30s when you got sober? I was uh, 28. 28. So that's pretty young. Mm-hmm. So what happened with your life after that? Well, Did that... things just uh, started to, I always thought I would want to like be an actor, like in a, in a comedy or something like mm-hmm. that. I never thought I could really like write a joke. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would make people laugh if we were out there to eat or something like that or with friends mm-hmm. but uh i started to uh i ended up getting a job at a rehab when i had about three years and then i did the whole thing where i became a counselor. certified counselor and all that mm-hmm. and uh i started going to an acting class when mm-hmm. i had when i was clean about eight years and mm-hmm. uh, i didn't even tell anybody i was going in case i really sucked mm-hmm. you know but i ended up getting a couple plays and a comedy group formed a sketch group formed out Mm -hmm. of the class and um i ended up uh you know we were doing shows up here we're kind of breaking up but we're doing shows up here once in a while i moved new york city you mean yeah we were breaking up down in philly so i figured i'd move up here get in a sketch group Mm -hmm. up here Mm -hmm. and then we were still doing shows we were supposed to do a show at stand up new york Mm. and the guy they called this the group called me and told me we you know we can't make it up so i I called the guy and he said, well, why don't you just go up? You know, they don't want to get someone else. They... Right, 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 so right. So first I said no. And then I remember, and then I thought, wow, what the hell? I'll put something together. And it worked out. So the first show I did, I hadn't been on open mic or anything. It was a, <laughs> oh, wow. it was a full uh, show. But and were I you surprised by how well that went? Yeah, I was, uh, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. And uh, I started going to some classes. I took a couple comedy classes and i you know ran into some people i started going open mics and just got in with that uh, so when you started um 
I mean, you're, you're, I mean, to me, it seems really obviously that, uh, obvious that you're a very, very, very intelligent person. Do you have any, you have heard that. So do you have it? It's, I guess, you know, it's interesting. Like I'm having a really hard time figuring out your ego, your sense of yourself, because on one level, you seem incredibly uh, humble and um, which, which I really appreciate in, in, in a per, I, I think, I mean, it makes, it's something I really respect about you. But on the other hand, you are really smart and there must be part of you that knows that. So I'm just wondering about like your sense of self-esteem and how you see yourself and how you resolve um you know your feelings of being intelligent like can you talk about that at all well i know i'm uh, uh pretty intelligent I, i'd say i'm uh above average but i'm no genius or anything like that you know my my wife's really uh your wife's prob- the- probably a little smarter than me mhm but um um i have a short attention span now what was the question <laughs> oh, I think, I think it was smart? I think it was a little overwhelming probably. Uh-huh. I was just wondering like what you're feeling like you you appear so humble, like not uh-huh. um you know, very I'm just going to say this very flat when I compliment you. Uh-huh. And um I'm just wondering what your feelings about yourself are. Like if you want to whether I mean, you've been in therapy, right? Have you discussed yeah, uh, any of this kind of stuff? Like long enough to get the noose from around my neck, but uh, not. But not, not about. So, like, I just, I guess, I just wonder how you feel about yourself, how you see yourself as successful, not successful, as somebody who's competent. Like, when you are, like, how do you see yourself in in like terms of mm-hmm. getting on stage? You know, like. Well, I love to perform. Uh, the you know the. Um, I just kind of take things as they're uh, as they're given. You know, I kind of go in a direction that I'm pointed to. I'm, you know, I'm supposed to. Uh, I was Roger Aylward contacted me and said, I, "I love your stage right. persona. I want to do a a little web series of short, uh, you know, videos." And I said, "Okay." Cause right. I figured, well, that's maybe the direction I'm supposed to go. Right. And so that's what I'm going to do. But I'm wondering, I guess, also, if you take any initiative to, like, really put yourself out there and get bookings. Like, do you, because mm-hmm. a lot of comics, tell me if I'm wrong, you definitely feel, I definitely get the sense of, like, yeah, I'm good. I'm going to, like, call this person up and get on this show and do this mm-hmm. and do that. Do you, do you ever feel that way or do any of that? Yeah. Well, do it's you hard do because, you know, you know, you don't want to beg, but, you, you know, you have to promote yourself. Yeah, you know, I know. So this is this is the issue. I'm wondering if yeah. if this is an issue for so you. I mean, it's good. I have a couple uh, videos and stuff I can send out. Yeah, I, I mean, we're, this is what I'm saying. We're not talking about the quality of the work. What I guess I'm sort of saying is, I think your work is really good, mm-hmm. and I'm starting to wonder if maybe you've been through a lot, and if some of especially in today's world, the self-promotion machine that we all need to have. We all have our own. This is so fucked up. We're all brands. We're all brands, kids. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm wondering if, um, I'm wondering if you're uh, leveraging your abilities. If you're, if you, 
as much as you could be, or if you're not comfortable with it, you know what I'm saying. Come on, you you see all those young kids out there. Yeah, I mean, I'm not as <clears throat> not as tech savvy as I'd like to be, uh, but I ha- I think I have some people with me there, you know, that are. Mm-hmm. Thr- I'm here today, so that's one thing. <laughs> that's <I> nothing. Mean, <laughs> um, uh, Jeff Lutz, another guy who's uh, produced a couple of videos, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and uh, just you know, going wherever I can, and you know, mm-hmm. it's tough. Mm-hmm. It but is really. I think tough. your original question was the self-esteem thing, though. Yeah, that's and kind I think of where I feel. Going. I think I feel, you know, through, uh, you know, the the. The means that I have to stay clean and stuff like that, and the support I have, has has all helped uh, mm-hmm. my self esteem and, and uh, you know, uh, and I think I feel pretty good about myself. On the other hand, I'm getting worried because I'm a little, getting a little older now, and I'm mm-hmm. starting to think. You know, I had a triple bypass in oh nine, oh, really? at, at like fifty five years old. Wow! You know? So I had to change my diet and all that. Mm-hmm. But I'm starting to think, and starting to think. Uh, you know, at the end, what do I have left? 20? I don't even know. Yeah, I know. I mean, we're in the same boat. Yeah. You seem very healthy to me, and you also seem very physically active, and you're in yeah. good shape. So I, uh, you know, I think, uh, I, you know, I th- I, I think, uh, you know, full speed ahead. But I but I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. What about your, your wife? Um, when, how did you meet her? When did, you were 48? How did you meet her, and like what? You got married. You have a long-term relationship with somebody that you're obviously in love with, it sounds like. So yeah. that's a big deal. How did that happen? Yeah, we have a pretty good relationship. We're, um, we met, you know, in recovery and mm-hmm. um, got married uh, fairly short, uh, I think, nine months later. Wow. You know, we, uh, I thought, uh, I'm an idiot if I let this one go, you because mm-hmm. um, that's what I'd always done in the, in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know she has a great sense of humor too. Not exactly the same as mine. You mm-hmm. know, sometimes I'll I'll tell her, I yeah I have a great idea for a joke, and she'll say, hmm, yeah okay. Oh yeah, partners are <laughs> partners. Yeah, I go through that with my husband. Partners yeah. are not always the best. Well, but uh, I mean, she's done a little comedy on her Has own. She? So she's a writer. She's a writer. Yeah. So what kind of stuff does she write? Well, she writes short stories, oh, and she's. Nice. Uh, got her master's last year and teaches uh writing oh that's great but she's going to be writing a book really so wow. a book kind of time book. off uh novel oh wow yeah so um you're both creative people where's where was creativity part of your um let's say uh um you know, was that was that something that like creative pursuits? Was that something that was that you were um, exposed to as a kid? You know, I wonder if you're a creative person that might not have had a lot of access to museums and writing programs, mm-hmm. and you know, well, I don't know. My mother used to tell me you should be an actor mm-hmm. because you're such a good liar. Oh, really? Yeah, she'd catch me and she'd say, "I saw you do it, but you have almost had me convinced." So you, you have a good imagination, because I think that's yeah. really what it takes, right? Mm-hmm. A lot yeah. of it. So, um, you know, we can you believe us? We only have ten minutes left. Yeah. I had a few questions that. Um, so, what do you think about? Like, I have this is me. So, I have this sort of like um, thing that I always think about 
um, with creative people and comedians particularly maybe because the the stereotype with comedians is that, you know, like you, they have difficult backgrounds. They've been through a lot of um, traumatic, difficult experiences. And I think, you know, I, you know, I, I think you have been, you're a really strong person. You've been through a lot. Uh, you come from that. I think, uh, you know, I had a fairly, I had a somewhat abusive childhood. So I, I brag about that. Um, but then there's this whole world of young people now who are creative, who I think I'm envious of, which is why I, why I'm asking you about it, who, who are from really supportive backgrounds where their parents are like, you're great. You should go do that. Don't worry about it. You know, just, you know, follow your dream. Do you see that a lot in comedy now? No, not really. Um, I mean, what's up? Most stand-up comedy is so uh, competitive and there's so many people in it. There's a, a, like a glut of people sure. trying to make it. So I don't know. Um, I think most parents are telling their kids have something to fall back on. Don't just. Uh... But <clears throat> I mean, I feel like, like I look at Tina Fey as an example, who's obviously brilliant. I mean, there's no question about that. But I'm also saying now there's somebody who was liked well-liked and had a supportive family. Mm-hmm. You Do you know what I mean? Like right. she's from like a really, she seems really normal to me. Yeah, she's from our area. Yeah. Upper Darby. So, I mean, I think the thing about Tina Fey and I think a lot of other creative people who, I think that maybe the trauma wasn't from their upbringing and, and things like that. But like Tina Fey got bit by a dog as a kid. Right. So I don't know. I'm just really curious about creative people. Um, so, um, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, I was curious about that. And, like, how how do you feel? About, like, how is getting into comedy later in life? Do you ever think, like, oh, uh, could have started earlier or something like that? Or, like, what's that like for you now? Yeah, I mean, I wish I had. Uh, but I think... Uh you know, I've I've read or heard once where you're you're going to get as good as you're going to get anyway. Oh, you know? that's interesting. So, and if it wasn't meant to be, why beat yourself about it? I mean, it just didn't didn't work that way. Right, right. So you feel like yeah, yeah. Know. So you feel like well, and um, so what do you think? What do you think is like the thing that you're, you know, that you really you know what? What? What's like the thing that you're most content with now? What's your biggest obstacle? Uh, in life in general, or yeah. comedy, or uh, yeah. Well, I'm pretty content with uh, my relationship and where I am with that. And uh, you know, I like, I just love doing a comedy, even if I'm, if it's in front of mm-hmm. five people. I love testing testing a joke out. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you spend a lot of time writing? Yeah, I read the paper. I get a lot of stuff out of the paper, and uh, mm-hmm. I'll read it li- like, you know, I <clears throat> if I see a headline or something that catches my eye and uh, or something that someone said in the mm-hmm. um, in the article. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I scan the newspaper, it's not, I don't really, I'm not much into the news. I'm into trying to find a joke in it, you know, so mm-hmm. that's pretty crazy, but. Um, so So what kind of things do you look for, like? 
Well, I, you know, oddities, you know, like I, I uh, probably the, the, the best example is I read uh, there was a, a wild party somewhere upstate a couple years mm-hmm. ago, and uh, mm-hmm. it's, it was a lot of drinking and drugs there. And one of the larger party goers actually sat on a baby and killed it. <laughs> wow. Hor- horrible story. Horrible wow. story. Wow. Weird. I started, uh... I started thinking like, wow, how do you tell the host of the party you something <laughs> like that? God, that's sick. I have trouble saying I spilled something on the rug. <laughs> you know, what do you go in the kitchen? Uh, excuse me, anyone out here have a baby? Because, <laughs> God, if I had known, I'd have been so much more careful. I know what I'd have done. I'd have just turned the cushion over. Oh, man. That's what I always do. <laughs> I'm feeling good. I don't want to hear a lot of bullshit, right? <laughs> That's so sick. That, you can't do that. That kind everywhere. of thing. That yeah, kind of thing. You can't do them everywhere. You know, they're not for everyone. So, you you seem like you're really um, into the process. Uh-huh. Like, is that right? Like, you 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 really enjoy what you're doing and yeah. the, the act of doing it, and that's what's yeah. fulfilling for you. And I always have, you know, even when we were, you know, I, I was always trying to make my old man laugh, or my my family was. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. my father was a real funny guy and all. And, uh, was, yeah. The whole family was, you know, the whole, the cousins, everybody were all pretty mm-hmm. nuts. It's so funny because <clears throat> superficially, folks, you, I mean, I, you, you know, you could sort of certainly fit the stereotype of a comedian, whatever, for sure. But, like, you, you don't present as, like, funny, right? Do you know no. that? Yeah, right. Takes and I guess that's what people, that's part of. What's so funny about you? Uh, right? Yeah, I guess I always, I get that a lot. I'm, mm-hmm. You know, it takes a while. And some people don't ever think I'm funny, so that happens too. Well, you know, I'm sure that's well, true them. for everybody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> fuck them. They don't exist. They're dead to you. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, once again, a testament to, uh, the creative spirit or the, the, like the, the heal, like just the value of, of creativity. Um, see, that's what I think, um, is really great. What a great example is what I'm getting to is that, um, we're not talking about, you know, which TV shows and stuff like that. What we're, what you're really folk, not that you're, I mean, you were, on John's show and you've been on tons of stuff, but it's also the fact that out you, you are so, um, I think your work is so satisfying to you that, um, you're actually kind I mean, I think that's a gift, right? I don't know if everyone that's making writing comedy enjoys it all the time as much. Do you, do you know what I mean though? Uh, it's tough. Like, I don't sit down and say, all right, I'm going to write. I usually jot stuff down if I'm on the bus or something will come to me. And then mm-hmm. later I'll, ex- you know, expand it. And, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, you know, see if I can add some stuff to it. But it mm-hmm. is tough. I mean, it's. So what's the biggest obstacle about it for you? For is me? It, yeah. Um, Probably just that I'm dark, and I think a lot of people will think, "Well, it's, he's he's getting a little older now. He's, he's probably been around for forty years, but I, I'm actually fairly new." New? Like, You're very you know, new. You've only been doing it what twelve years or something? Yeah, like 13, 13, 12, 13 years, which is not a lot in the comedy. In right? Yeah, yeah I mean, you'll hear people say uh-huh. sometimes it takes fifteen to twenty. Uh, oh yeah. You know, 
So, but there must be a lot of people out there who know that about you and see see that, right? I guess, yeah. I hope, you know, John's yeah. one of them uh, and a few other people. How did you meet John? Uh, he's a, uh, he used to run an open mic down at Comics, he, uh, and he's been oh. a comedian. He's a good comedian himself. He is a good comedian, yeah. yeah. So you met him at Comics. Right, right. With uh, Cambry, when Cambry used to run Ochi's yeah. Lounge. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I did a show there. Did you know that? Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit? I'm not Dr. That's the show. I did um, Stand Up, Lie Down with Dr. Lisa. Yeah, it sounds vaguely funny. Yeah. Ca- was- Ca- um, what's her name? Ca- Cambry. Cambry, yeah. She's uh, actually up at the... In- she Astoria, she has QED, which is great. Have you been? You've been there. Yeah, that yeah. place is great. You probably perform there, right? Yeah, I'm sure. So I want to. We only have uh, like two minutes left, and I want to make sure that um, everybody um, goes to your website. And uh, anyway, so it's mickdiflo.com. D. So it's m i c k d i f l o dot com. Right. And you also mentioned that you have a web series coming out. Yeah, well, that's you, not out yet. But you've so. been working on something, so tell us, yeah. tell us about it. When is it well, out? When is it going to be out? Well, Roger Elward uh, had contacted me, and uh, he's a, also a, a comic and a, mm-hmm. he's more a writer mm-hmm. now. But mm-hmm. um, he wants to produce some uh, uh, videos based on the character I do on stage. So, or mm-hmm. which seems a lot stage. like you <laughs> yeah which is really kind of a you know uh-huh. a cynical uh, right uh, skeptical guy you know that kind of thing so he's right. writing he's writing some stuff and i'm adding to it you know so are you kind of writing together then yeah we're going to get together soon and um uh, uh you know write so, some more so are you going to be a character is there going to be acting as well or are you it's not just going to be stand up you're going to be right yeah, yeah we're actually going to be like little sketches and stuff like that oh wow yeah that sounds really that sounds really yeah. fun that sounds really cool this friday i'm at the tribeca comedy club oh really so, what time i think it's tribeca comedy lounge uh eight o'clock show yeah so there you go here and there yeah, yeah. What's it like when your girlfriend comes to see you? A well, wife. <laughs> what am I saying? Uh, great. She she came to the. Um, oh, Marsha she was show. there. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, she had a few people there. Oh, I'm sorry. I be curious to meet her. All right. Well, um, thanks so much for listening, and uh, tune in next Thursday at. Two o'clock. I think we're having. Uh, I've got a guest booked, and I'm trying to remember who it is. I'm so foggy.